Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. I'm your host, Rachel, and today we have two special guests with us, Pamela and her son, Zachary. They're going to be talking with us about navigating the world of dyslexia as a teen. Zachary and his mom, Pamela Wyville, are co-founders of Dyslexia Power. They help moms and their kids with dyslexia and other learning differences beat the overwhelm of dyslexia and put the fun back into learning again. Zachary is a 16-year-old junior in high school and has been on his journey with dyslexia since he was five years old in kindergarten. He's a student body officer on the basketball team, a strong supporter of the performing and visual arts, and is the president of the theater club this year. He loves all things water and has enjoyed his new paddleboard over the summer. I'm going to have to try that sometime, Zachary. He's looking forward to getting his driver's license and making a plan on how to do well on his three AP classes this upcoming year. And Pamela is Zachary's proud mom and has learned to be that mom that is forever ensuring that Zachary is accessing the education he needs in the best way possible for him to thrive. While intentionally not being a helicopter mom, she provides Zachary unique learning experiences, which most often involves travel and adventure. She is also a now-retired Foreign Service officer, having served, lived, and worked in over 90 countries worldwide. She has spent most of her career focused on serving people living under some of the most difficult conditions, including her work on HIV-AIDS, tuberculosis, child marriage, anti-trafficking programs for humans, famine, natural disasters, and served on the U.S. government's Ebola task force. Since retirement, she is focusing on sharing her experiences from abroad on the critical public health and educational issue of dyslexia and other learning differences at home and alongside her son. Thank you so much for joining us today, you guys. Of course, it's an honor. Thank you for having us. So I just want to go back to the beginning of you guys' story. Um... When did you guys first realize that Zachary was having maybe a little bit of difficulty? Um, so at, at least I think for myself, it was around the end of kindergarten um, when we were really wrapping up the year. Um, when I started to feel different about myself and about the kids around me, I was at a different level than others. And when looking back, I realized I really hadn't gone very far in that year. It was there wasn't very much progress. It was repeating the same exact stuff and never getting it. Um, I really started to get singled out in the beginning of first grade as I really started to learn to read, or at least the cap class did. And then I um, struggled to comprehend the most basic of words. And then I start to I started to suffer the emotional trauma of being pulled out of classes just during the week, maybe two or three times a week, um, to get specialized support one on one with a tutor. And and Pamela, did you know all of this was going on? Were the were they communicating with you about what was going on? Or so what happened um, was I, you know, Zachary was a very bright, happy preschooler, and when he entered kindergarten and was forced to try to learn his alphabet, his first kindergarten teacher said he wasn't trying hard enough, and he actually had. Uh, broken out on a rash in his hands. And so we actually, you know, the stress was really getting to him. So switched teachers after between the, the uh, holiday break. And when it still was an issue with the second kindergarten teacher, you know, really wondering what what's going on, because here is a very bright boy that is struggling with the alphabet and the most basic things that you would never have expected. Well, it was at that time that my former parents-in-law came to visit from England and 
My former mother-in-law said, oh, Zachary is like his father at this age. And Zachary's father had been diagnosed with dyslexia in his late teens. So at that point, I'm like, oh, dyslexia. I went to, this is going to be dating myself, to Borders and bought all of the books on dyslexia, doing massive amounts of research. And it, you know, it was like, oh, clearly, yes, this makes sense. I then started reaching out to the teacher and asked that he be tested because he was showing his classic symptoms. And from the teacher who had normally, you know, she'd normally respond in less than 24 hours to an email, it took her two weeks to respond to this request. And it was, you know, oh, all kids go through this. And that was the trigger for, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> that this is, you know, the standard story of dyslexia and how you get put off by the schools. Um, so it was uh, at that point, you know, I knew like, okay, we're in for the, the long haul. I was supposed to have gone and been posted to Malawi and the State Department required that Zachary be tested. And so he was given a full neuropsychological evaluation between kindergarten and sixth, um, sorry, um, first grade to see if the schools in Malawi would be able to provide him the educational support that he was going to need. And if so, what was that support? And so we, you know, it turned out that my posting was changed so that Zachary could really stay in this, in the country and figure out what he needed at that point. So for us, it was an exceptional, you know, we were, I was trying to go down the school route, but because of my job and the involvement with the State Department, we, you know, were prompted to get that, that test um, sooner rather than later. So who did you, who, where did you guys go for testing? So we, to get um, a test for dyslexia and other learning differences, you get a full neuropsychological assessment from a, a clinical psychologist. Okay. Can you, uh, real briefly for the people that don't know, give us the definition of dyslexia? Sure. So the definition of dyslexia is a brain-based learning difference that affects the ability to process language and specifically reading. Um, it leads to problems identifying speech, sounds, and learning how they relate to letters and words. So decoding and trying to process this information. Right. So how common is dyslexia? One in five students have it. So it's 20% of the population, which ranges on spectrum of very mild to very severe. Right. So if that many kids have dyslexia, why is it, you probably ask this question all the time, why is it so hard for them to realize like, oh, they should, they should have, in my mind, that teacher should have known immediately, oh, this kid is having trouble with his reading and that should be a trigger, right? Or does it, is it not like that? It should be. I mean, there, there are many things going on where um, the teachers may not know actually what it is. You know, there are obviously common misconceptions um, or urban myths about it that people um, just believe and they don't actually, haven't gone into any depth on it. So for example, we're based in Virginia and Virginia only requires, and this is a new, um, thing, they only require one hour of training on dyslexia and other learning differences for a teacher, a qualified teacher. Wow. So, you know, it's, there's a long way to go. Secondly, teachers are, if they're not, you know, aware of it, 
and it hasn't usually affected them, their family members directly. Um, there are some things that you know kids developmentally do and that they may grow out of it. But I believe also teachers are discouraged um, from mentioning, you know, in many states you cannot say the word dyslexia because when you do say a child has dyslexia, then the school um, district is responsible for paying for services. Um, and so they'll, you know, it's categorized educationally as a specific learning disability or SLD, and it's very vague, it's a catch-all term. And so that permits the school to fit uh, or to respond according to however they've divided up their budget. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, and that's the challenge with learning differences is that you've got very, very bright kids who are really striving to overcompensate for their dyslexia. Other kid, you know, kids with other issues that you cannot um, hide, if you will, um, are the schools will better respond to those. But when you know you've got the the kids with dyslexia that are they're great at convincing others to help them out, <laughs> um, that you know it's like oh yeah well the kid will grow out of it or we can't test until third grade. Well none of that is true. Um, and in terms of you know the plasticity of the brain, you want to get in in there and really set up the foundational pieces as soon as possible, and reduce this the initial struggles that are really you know, totally unnecessary if the kids are taught at, most appropriately from the start. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see a little bit like some kids do are late readers. So maybe they're thinking, well, they'll catch up. But but then you need that early intervention if you really do have a problem. Yes. But, and that's the, the you know, the, these kids are so bright that if you give them the right kind of education, the right kind of training, they pick up, you know, what are the foundations and how do you break down the, the alphabet and the sounds and how is it connected and put together? All of that is, can you know, we know, we've known for over 50 years what, what our kids with dyslexia need. What the bigger issue is, we don't need more research. We just need more action right. in the, the educational setting. Uh, yeah, and I, I uh, can't imagine, like, if, if he had not had you who was pushing so hard, you know, some, some parents, you know, if the teacher had told them that they'd been like, oh, okay, the teacher knows better than I do. And they, and no one had told them about dyslexia. They could have easily just, you know, pushed it, <laughs> pushed no, it to the future. Exactly. That's so true. And in so many of these groups, you know, that the parents are like, oh, I've been told I need to wait till third grade or, oh, they're going to grow out of it or, oh, it'll be fine. You know, um, no, that's not the case. And I mean, I myself had, you know, was literally um, torn down from teachers and principals, educators to say, oh, I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm. And here I, you know, well qualified, um, worked in similar areas. But, you know, you doubt it. It's like I'm first time mother. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, I right. don't know what I'm talking about. And that's part of the issue is like, if I'm made to feel that way, you know, mothers that um, don't have, you know, they don't have the experience that I have in other realms of their life, certainly it, it is an issue. And because it's not like if you're, you're if you have a child that um, has a physical handicap that's in a wheelchair, for example, you cannot deny 
that they need access to, they need a wheelchair ramp, they need access to the classroom, they need accommodations. But with kids with dyslexia, there isn't any obvious sign you know, that you, that's in your face that you can see and go, I cannot deny it. So these kids are, you know, they keep getting pushed off. Um, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your emotions and your feelings, like when he was first diagnosed? And you too, Zachary, tell, tell us about how you felt. Like, was it a relief or was it just the beginning of a lot of frustration? <laughs> Um, I think, at least for myself, I it was a relief. Um, it was this burden off my shoulders. Um, and as my mom stated earlier, like I got a rash over my hand. I had stress. And it kind of gave a reason why this was happening. It um, was a result. It had an equal sign. So dyslexia equals stress because of school system. And that's where I could readjust and I could figure out, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to figure out about this? What do I need to look up in a textbook? What questions do I need to ask of myself, of my friends, of my mom, of the school? And be like, I, I need support. Please help me. That's that's good. Uh, do you want to say, add anything to that, Pamela? Sure. I think that it is, you know, it's like the, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the, the five... Um, phases that one goes through in terms of lose, you know, loss and grief right. and that, you know, first it's upsetting and then it's, you know, well, there's, <laughs> then there's, you know, the anger um, and could I have done anything differently? And, you know, finally the acceptance and how do you move on? And it was very much the realization of, of what it was. And I don't do guilt, um, but it, you know, sort of how do we, this is, it is what it is. Let's learn as much as we can about it and set Zachary up to succeed. You know, whatever he wants to do, whatever he sets his mind um, to do, fine, let's do it. It may not be the same way as anybody else, but that's okay. Um, and so it's that belief that we know what we're dealing with. And we also, again, know how best to help Zachary, you know, through these different uh, phases of his educational career. So at what point did Zachary start? Because right now, from what I've seen of him, he is a, an amazing advocate for himself. So at what point did he become, become his own advocate? Um, he, you know, so we went through the public school system um, for a couple of years and then switched to um, a private school where it was, but I actually, to be honest, I didn't tell him that he was diagnosed with dyslexia when he was five, six years old, because I didn't, I, I don't like labels and I didn't want him to introduce himself as, oh, he's the kid with dyslexia. It's more, it is part and parcel of him, but it is not the be all and end all. And so when he was about eight years old, he said, mom, do I have dyslexia <laughs> driving in the car one day? And I said, yeah, you do. Um, you know, and then we got to talking about it and that how his brain works, um, how his brain works and it works differently. Um, it, you know, sh shifting away from that quote unquote disability, um, label. Right. It's just one little part of you. It's not your whole, it's not your whole you. <laughs> um, so from what I've learned from talking to you guys, people with a dyslexia can learn everything that anyone else can learn. They just need to learn it differently, right? 
like you need you do better visually than you do with words. Um, so what are your, some of your favorite tools uh, and methods to learn? So I guess um, one of my favorite ways is to learn is to use technology, at least for the time being. Um, and really, when I want to research a topic, I like, let's say, for example, I want to learn about the American Revolution. Uh, first, I'd look on Wikipedia to get like a basic summary. I'd read through it, maybe read it again, highlight it, print it off. Um, then I go to sub pages within that page to figure out who are these key characters and people that then I can look through their eyes. What did they experience as a person with their own experiences? Um, then I look at photos, see where they lived, see who they were. Um, I would see if I could find an American Revolutionary documentary to play in the background while I watch a reenactment of the Siege of Yorktown. Then I'd look up a news article to see how the resolution of the war created a constitution that is still used today. And now, what does that constitution change? What, how does it work currently? And through using these different guides, tangents, photos, videos, demonstrations, and articles, I could really learn of these amazing aspects of all these different history topics. And that's just if I could not go anywhere, pre-COVID. So if it, like... In a few months, I may be going to Mount Vernon to see George Washington's home, see the clothes they wore, see the farm animals. And that's kind of one way that I like to learn is through that multi-sensory approach where I am going places, but also I'm using different multimedias to explore a topic. That's very interesting. You, you like to see the big picture and then you zoom into all these different little pictures and the stories behind them. Uh, we actually had Jill Wolf on our last podcast, and she talked about learning styles or how to help with learning. And that is one of the methods she recommended. Like if you find out all everything about the subject and then think about the stories in the subject and it helps you remember what happened because it becomes real to you. So that's an awesome technique. Um, do you have any advice for other teens who struggle with dyslexia? First, I would say never give up. That's like the key end-all be-all in one sense. Um, secondly, I would say ask for help. Communicate your needs with your teacher, your mom, your dad, anyone who you feel like you can open up to about your own personal struggles. Um, and everyone should really want to be able to help you learn. Um, and I would suggest making it clear that you are trying to figure it out just like they are. So in a teacher's case, when you're explaining this to them, be like, I don't have all the strategies. I would love to hear what strategies you can offer me. It is a learning journey that you want to take. It's not one that you want to get from point A to B. You want to go to point B C via B or point Z via all the other letters of the alphabet. That is what dyslexia is in one sense. And finally, I would say that you have to advocate for yourself all the time. Um, even when teachers think they're being helpful, they sometimes forget that you do have dyslexia and learn differently. So constantly reminding your teachers, even during final exam weeks or before every single test, to make sure that, for example, you get your double time. Um, and personally, like I start the school year by writing a letter describing what dyslexia is, how it affects me in the classroom, in school, and when I'm doing my homework so that they're aware of the fact that I learn differently. It captures their eye through writing a letter because it shows that you are determined to demonstrate yourself. 
Um, I provide videos and PowerPoints that my mom and I have developed to share with the teachers. Um, I also write an email to each teacher, um, again, to remind them of my accommodations before even a, an assignment, um, which may range from double time to allowing me to use number two pencils to, um, with grips to be, being able to write my essays on laptops and not by hand. Um, and I have to say, all of this is exhausting, but it is worth it because it gets you what you need. That's great. Um, I really like you, Zachary. You're just so inspirational. <laughs> Thank you. Um, at, so you guys took what was a difficulty and a challenge for you, and you thought, man, there's lots of other families that are going through this. How can we help them? Um, at what point in this journey did you start helping others? Um, so I think for myself, it began, I think, fourth grade. Um, I was working in a small math group to learn my multiplication tables in the private school that I was in. Um, and one of my friends showed me a strategy where you put down a finger for the number of times you want to multiply nine and you see your results. Um, she helped me break a barrier of the nines multiplication table. Um, and I felt the need to do that for others. Um, so like get that aha moment. So I began to share what I had learned through my time as a student with others through just talking to friends, suggesting ideas and strategies to possibly younger grades. Um, and then I really started to explore how I could share it with even more kids outside of my school. So then I started to work with my mom to kind of figure out, oh, maybe we could bring this online. Maybe we could do an online business that then we can share what we've gone through, our strategies, our, to our topics, um, our story. And that's the reason why we essentially kicked off our membership for kids with dyslexia and a course for their moms. That's, that's amazing. It's, have you ever heard the saying your mess becomes your message? And, and I'm not saying you're a mess. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm it's saying a mess sometimes too. Like the challenges that you go through becomes what you can share with the world. Even though when you're going through it, you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever been through. Um, I love that you guys have done that. You've taken you've taken your challenges and you've made it better for everyone else that is going through your situation. Um, if somebody's wanting to find you guys, where could they find you? We can be found at um, dyslexiapower.com. And Zachary asked me to spell it <laughs> because um, we always misspell dyslexia. So it is D-Y-S-L-E-X-I-A-P-O-W-E-R.com. So I know you guys have something that you like to give people as a freebie uh, to help them the the letter that you were talking about that you give to your teachers at the beginning of the year and you have come up with uh something that you can give other people who are going through dyslexia uh as a guide so how they can form their letter for their teacher um could you share a little bit about that um absolutely it's essentially a guide that we or at least i use every single year for every single one of my teachers um that is kind of or is fully customizable where you describe what learning differences you have, whether it's dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyspraxia, dysnomia, dyscalculia, um, learning differences or other learning differences, um, short-term memory issues, long-term memory issues. And then you kind of go into who you, who you are as a person. So what's me? Dyslexia is a part of me, but it's not all of me. So I like soccer. I like 
watching movies. I like to go out on the water and paddleboard. Um, and that's where it makes you human while you have these challenges. Next, you then really go into what accommodations you need, what works for you, and what doesn't. So personally for me, blue paper or blue text helps so much when reading. Staring at a computer screen for so long is so hard, especially when you have dyslexia. So that's where it's kind of the step-by-step -step guide where it'll lead you through how to fill out each section of the letter to have a successful year. And where can they go to get that? They can get it at dyslexiapower.com backslash letter. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add? Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. It would be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes to help increase our visibility. We have more content available at our website, RaisingConfidentTeens.com, and our free private Facebook group for parents at Raising Confident Teens Community. Hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>